0: Amen. So now as families in our homes, we're just going to take a minute and we're going to join in prayer with two of our own, Leo
1: and Tracy Cucinata.
2: Good morning, Trinity. Happy Palm Sunday.
1: Good morning, everyone. Pastor Kirk has asked Tracy and I to pray for the workers that are still out there working, just as, as if nothing has ever happened. And in most cases, they're They're overworked, they're weary, they're tired, they're fearful. And there's a scripture in Isaiah that's been placed upon my heart that I want to share with you. It's in Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? Neither faints nor is weary, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, he gives strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. And Lord, that's our prayer, that they should soar upon the wind of the Spirit the way the eagle soars upon the wind. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus because you say where two or more than gathered in your name, that's when your Spirit's going to move. And if we lift up the name of Jesus, you're going to draw all men unto you. So we lift up the workers in the name of Jesus in hopes that you will draw them unto you, who we'll keep our country running and give us a sense of routine. And that's exactly what we need. All the UPS, postal, FedEx, and delivery drivers, garbage collectors, cargo and airport and freight workers, and tractor-trailer drivers, they're not medical workers or first responders, but they have been put on the front lines. They're starting to become tired, overworked, and weary in their biggest fear, that they will bring sickness upon their families. So we plead the blood of Jesus upon all these workers, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper, for you bore our strife so that we could be healed, and that you would cast out all fear, for you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And we know as believers, Lord, that nothing passes down to us without first going through your hands. for we know the plans that you, for you know the plans that you have for us a hope and a future to prosper us and not to harm us. That you never give us more than we can handle and you work and everything for the good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And you're able to do exceedingly abundantly, far above all that we could ever ask or think. So I pray, Lord, you would bless these workers abundantly with all of your promises fulfilled.
2: Yes, and Lord, we also lift up two additional groups of people who are in the crucible of this virus right now. Lord, the medical community, as well as the retail community. And Father, for the medical community, we lift before your throne, Lord, physicians, Lord, nurses, specialists, case managers, Lord, social workers, therapists. Lord, we lift up to you those who are working in the ancillary services. Lord, those who are in housekeeping, who are doing the best that they can do to, Lord, ensure that there is a safe and sterile environment. Lord, for those who work in cafeterias in these facilities, Lord, the people who are doing the best that they can to provide nourishment, Lord, for patients and for staff, Lord. Father, we ask that you would be gracious and merciful to all of them. And, Lord, we know because we continue to hear that one of the greatest needs, uh, Lord, are the materials, the equipment for them to do the job that you have called them to do. Lord, the protective breathing equipment, Lord, they are so desperate for these items, Lord. And, Father, we don't know how, but we know that you are the great provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the, medical, the, the miracle worker, Lord God, in the medical field as in every field. Lord, would you raise up people in our communities who have the resources and who have the means, Lord, to acquire all of these vital, Lord, uh, pieces that are necessary. And Father, we pray, Lord, for those who are working directly with the patients, Lord. Um, They are seeing, Lord, death in numerous, uh, Lord, instances, Lord, things that, um, Lord, they're not equipped for, uh, Lord, emotionally as well. And so, Father, I ask for, uh, Lord, just your comfort for them, your comfort for them in this time, Lord God. And Father, we know that many of them have left the security of their home and their family to live in hotels, Lord, during this time because they do not want to infect their family members. And Lord, this is so hard for them, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that you would be their comfort, that you would be their, um, Lord, just their encourager during this time. Lord, that they would cast the weight that they are carrying carrying on their shoulders, Lord, onto you. Father, we pray for their families who are on the other side, who are watching and are anxious and fearful, Lord. We ask, God, that you would comfort them, that you would bring peace to them, Lord God. And, Father, we lift up to you those who are working in the retail industry. Father, those who are going to work every day to ensure that, Lord, we can continue to by groceries and medications and all of the other items that are basic essentials for our everyday needs. And Lord, these particular people, Lord, unlike medical workers, these people have not been trained in working with large groups of people in crisis. And Lord, so we are hearing, we know that they are also despondent and overwhelmed. And Lord, they need you, they need your help, Lord, they need your reassurance, they need your guidance. And Father, this group of people in particular, Lord, are, Lord, they are those who in most societies are at the bottom, Lord, of the ladder, but we see how vital they are, Lord, um, to continue to keep everything moving, Lord, Um, and what a blessing they are to us. And Lord, I ask God that you would help us to remember that when we encounter them, Lord, that we would be your arms and your heart and we would reach out to them, Lord, and just be a source of encouragement and hope and your light to them as well, Lord God. And Father, for those in those fields who know you, Lord, may they press into you and may they lean into you and may they experience you, Lord, as they never have before. And Lord, for those who do not know you, Lord, I would pray that we would continue to be that vessel, Lord, that we would continue to be your arms and your heart and your voice in these times, Lord. We thank you that we can call upon you, Lord, that you are with us. And even though we don't know what lies ahead, Lord, we know that you call us to not look to the left or not to look to the right, but continue to keep our eyes and our focus on you. And we all we ask all of this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Happy
3: Palm Sunday. Amen. Thank you. If you're new to Trinity, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining us to worship online. Um, And if you are live with us this morning on YouTube or Facebook right now, why don't you go ahead and say hi. You can chime in and let us know what city or town you're worshiping from. You can even tell us if it's the first time you're here with us. Um, if you think the service would be meaningful to your friends and family, you can also feel free to share it on your social media accounts as well. And remember to follow along with us, go to Facebook or Instagram and search at TrinityNR. You can also go to TrinityNR.org to check out our website, and if you scroll down the home page there, you'll see a spot where you can subscribe to our emails if you want to stay updated and in the loop with everything we're doing. Uh, Lastly, if you want to have access to things like sermon notes and small group questions that you can use, go to the App Store and look up Trinity NR or Trinity North Reading and you can download our app there. And with that, I want to pass it off to Leanne Ray to share with us for a few minutes now.
0: Good morning. I have some great things to share about Kids Church today. It is Palm Sunday, Easter is next Sunday, and every Kids Church family will be receiving this Easter guide. It's an eight-day journey with your family from Palm Sunday to the Resurrection. There's a devotional and a family activity for you to do every day this week. I will also be posting an Easter scavenger hunt on our Instagram page. Look for it at trinity.kidschurch. You will need to solve some clues, hop in your car, and take some family selfies along the way. I also want to take this opportunity to just share how Proud I am of the kids at Trinity and all that they're doing to serve others. Last week, I asked the kids to think about what they have to share for Jesus to use and multiply. And the kids came up with great lists and great ways for them to bless others. As a ministry, our kids sent over 50 notes of encouragement to people in our congregation in the last week. And I have heard so many stories about what families are doing on their own. I've heard of families who have gone caroling at people's houses from the end of their driveway. I've heard about kids who are writing notes to medical staff to say thank you for their service and sending them to area hospitals. And I've heard about a lot of kids who are participating in birthday party parades from their cars. Kids, you are doing a wonderful job in serving and encouraging others. If we were at church today we would be doing our sunday service project and miss christie had prepared a great activity for us to bless the kids at other churches in our community she designed a bookmark and sierra and cassidy in brooklyn actually sent me a sample of it these were the bookmarks that we were going to make um, to share with others we will be sure that we do that together when we're back at church but today I would love it if you could design some of your own bookmarks. Take some time, do some decorating, and I think it would be so special if as families we could drop those off at local nursing homes or care facilities in our area. The people who live there won't be able to receive visitors this Easter and it would just be amazing for them to know that they were thought about and maybe receive a package at the door. Kids, You are incredible parents. You are rock stars in the midst of homeschooling and board games and video games and everything else you're doing with your day. Thank you for making it a priority to demonstrate Jesus to those around you. I am so proud of the families in our church. Have a great week.
4: Thank you, Leanne. Good morning, Trinity. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, It is an honor to worship with you this morning on Palm Sunday. I don't know if some of you have the same memory as I do of Palm Sunday, but growing up here in Beverly and Danvers, I remember going to service as a child, and I would come home with a handful of those palm branches. I don't know where I got this idea, but I would take those palm branches, I would put them under my mattress in the belief that they would bring me good luck throughout the entire next year year. now Of course, Christianity is not about believing in something under our mattress that brings us good luck, but believing in someone on a cross that brought us peace, that person being Jesus Christ. So this week, Holy Week, uh, that is exactly who we are going to spend our time focusing on, and we'd love it if you joined with us every step of the way. Uh, please remember that Monday through Saturday Every morning at 8 a.m., you can join us on our Facebook page for our Trinity Live. Again, that is every morning, Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. Also, uh, this coming week on Good Friday, we'll be hosting uh, a service online, much like this one, at 6 p.m., where we are going to walk through very intentionally and reverently uh, Jesus' Good Friday, all the way from when he, was washed, when he washed the disciples' feet to the crucifixion. We're going to spend our time in prayer and in scripture and in song, reflecting on the work of Jesus Christ. On Saturday um, at 6 p.m. as well, online, we're going to host another service that is going to be devoted exclusively to prayer. There are a few things that we want to pray for very specifically, um, one of them being, of course, the cessation of the pandemic uh, and, of course, all those who have been affected by it, those who are on the front lines dealing with uh dealing with it and so please join us again on saturday online at 6 p.m and then of course we will run our online service easter sunday at 9 a.m so join us online for that now we are also working out details to hopefully be able to host a uh, drive-in worship service on sunday um, we need to be very flexible with not only the location of that given the uh, social distancing that we need to have but also we may need to be flexible with the times as well so we are hoping to do that here at trinity again a drive-in type of worship service potentially at 11 12:30, and 1:30, 30 where uh, we can gather in our cars of course to maintain the appropriate social distance and health Uh, recommendations but we are working out some final details on that we will need to be flexible uh, so please be on the lookout for an email this week and be in prayer about that with us Uh, at this time i would like to move into uh, a time of giving and again a real time of celebration as i remarked last week um, which is really incredible trinity's giving um, you're giving to trinity over the past several weeks uh, hasn't dropped off at all. And these are really, really challenging times. And so that is a great cause for celebration. And again, it's really reflective of the faith and trust that you have in the providence and the provision of God in your lives and the trust that you have in the mission that God has given Trinity. So we want to really thank all of you for partnering with us in that way. Um, If you do need help, if you need financial assistance, please reach out uh, on Trinity's website. You can find our our main office number. You can always email info at Trinity. We stand ready and willing uh, to help you out and meet your need in these difficult times. So please do reach out. Uh, Again, we want to thank everybody for partnering uh, with Trinity financially in that way. There are several ways to give. You can always... Mail in a check the old-fashioned way. Uh, You can give online through Trinity's website, or you can give through the app, which is how we give. Uh, If you don't have the app, you can go to the App Store and download it. If you do not have an iPhone, your first step is to get an iPhone, go to the App Store, and download the app. I'm only kidding. Uh, But we do want to say thank you uh, for your partnership in that way. Would you join me now in praying uh, for the mission of Trinity and the mission of Jesus Christ? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of the gifts that you've given us. We realize that all good gifts come from you. Father, it's during this week, very specifically, that we reflect on and we remember the sacrifice of your son Jesus for us. And as I think through his his last week here on earth and and his, his sacrifice, Father, we just remember that that you held nothing back in giving your son, and he held nothing back in his sacrifice, in his death for us, Father. And it is with that spirit of remembrance, that spirit of thankfulness, of gratitude, Father, that I pray that we give from that place, remembering his sacrifice for us, Father, would you produce in us, produce in me, a joyful heart, a generous heart to not hold anything in my life back from you, whether that is my time, my talents, my energy, Father, my career, ministry, my family, Father, and certainly my finances, I pray that my giving comes from a place of gratitude and joyfulness of what you've given me, of what you've already done for me, Father. And I pray that for all of us here at Trinity. And pray again for those people who have been impacted by this pandemic and the number of different ways people have been impacted, Father. Would you open our eyes and open our ears to them, so that we can reach out and show them and demonstrate your love for them. Father, we lift all of these prayers up to you. We know that you hear them. We know that you're listening. We know that you hear us. And we thank you for that. And it is only because of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, that we can come before your throne, humbly yet boldly, and ask you for this and we do so in his mighty name amen well at this time i'd like to invite up pastor kirk to bring us the word
5: thank you david oh happy sunday everybody i'm gonna make a crazy statement that may sound crazy i don't know some of you may not think it's crazy I think this can be one of the best Easter seasons yet. I know some of you might on the other side of the camera, I can't see you, but you're probably giving me a bit of a raised eyebrow or maybe a stink eye. But, but seriously, I think this can be one of the best Easter seasons yet. Yes, I know we're physical distancing. Yes, I know that the dinners and the family barbecues and the Easter egg hunts have all been blown up. No, I don't think this COVID-19 outbreak is a good thing, nor would I wish it upon anybody. But I am consistently amazed by how our God can take a situation that really doesn't look good and turn it out for our good and for His glory. And the more that I've thought on this this past week, the more that I've realized, I men, we as followers of Jesus are a part of a long, unbroken chain throughout history of men and women, other followers of Jesus, who have worshipped and celebrated Him through all kinds of obstacles and seasons. We have men and women throughout history who have worshipped the resurrected Lord in the midst of plenty and famine. In peacetime... And in wartime, when when we're free to worship as we choose, and when we're forced to become an underground movement. The resurrection hymns have been sung in magnificent cathedrals and in damp jail cells. Among thousands of people and a few in a very small house. It doesn't matter where it is. Will this Holy Week be totally different? Yeah, it will be different. Will it be what we want or prefer? No. But is our God still alive and working in the lives of real people? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, Easter can't be canceled or even degraded because our God is still alive. And he's still on the throne. And while I know it's okay to feel sad and frustrated because so many of our cherished traditions uh, will be different this year. But ultimately it's not the traditions that make Easter. Our risen king has made a way for us to know him now and forever forever. Therefore, no famine, no war, no persecution, no crisis, no virus, not even the gates of hell can stop God's people from worshiping him. Nothing, Paul said in Romans 8, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so, in order to love and protect one another and our neighbors, Easter will look different this week. But we're still going to have some church. Some church. Everybody say, church. Everybody say, amen. I'm going to trust you did that. All right. But to enter this week, uh, without a doubt, I know we're all experiencing some level of disappointment, if not outright grief. Really, what we're all going through, every single one of us, is a very complex bundle of emotions. For one, (laughs) for one, it's how do we not be afraid? Especially those who are essential workers who are going out every day. For two, I mean, how do we not feel some measure of fogginess when we haven't been even beyond our yards in a week? Last Sunday, uh, Shelby, the kids, and I got in our van and we made a trip to Wendy's. <laughs> Wendy's drive through because we wanted to get some chocolate frosties. And by the excitement in the car, you would have thought we were going to Disney World. And then when we got home with our chocolate Frosties, we told our friends, hey, we went to Wendy's. Like it was a story. But that's, that's kind of what we're dealing with right now, right? No wonder we feel somewhat like this fog. It's hard not to feel anxious or angry when we can't care for the people that we really love or celebrate a birthday or meet a newborn grandchild or niece or nephew. And all of us in the midst of this carry this empathetic burden because of what everyone around us is going through. It's a lot. So are we supposed to have just some joyful Easter? For many of us, Our plans have been, ah, man, maybe we'll just write off Easter this year. Just get through it and then hope for a better one next year. Why can't we just be real? Are you supposed to have joy in the midst of all of this? Yeah. Yeah, I think we can. But I want you to turn with me to Psalm 130. And we're going to start there today. And as you're opening your own Bible or your phone This psalm, Psalm 130, is what we call a psalm of ascent. And it's commonly believed, the psalms of ascent, which really include 120 to 134, these psalms were traditionally read as Jewish men and women were traveling up from the valleys, up to the temple to worship God for one of the three annual feasts. But we see that this psalmist in 130 Whoever wrote this one, he's not just traveling from a physical valley, but he's an emotional one as well. He feels as if he's starting this journey in the depths. But as we read it, I want you to see how he discovers hope in the midst of it. The circumstances don't seem to change, but yet he still discovers fresh hope in the midst of it. So let's read it with me. Psalm 130. Starting at verse 1. And actually, uh, pray this after me and then we'll get going. Say, God, show me what you want me to see. Lead me toward hope. Amen. Amen. All right, Psalm 130, starting at verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. His iniquities. I read it once, but I want to read it again because I want you to actually take it in this time. I'm going to read it a tad bit slower, but I want you to focus on these words and see what exactly is it that God may be speaking to you. Psalm 130, verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. For the morning, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with Him is plentiful redemption, and He will redeem Israel from all His iniquities. I think there may be many of us who feel very similarly to how the psalmist, what the psalmist is describing in verses one and two. This psalmist's journey does not begin with with rays of sunshine and bluebirds on his shoulder. He's not trying to fake a smile, but he cries out, he says, from the depths. We've all had moments when it's difficult to grasp a vision of hope. Verse 1, he says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. As the psalmist begins his ascent, he allows himself to acknowledge that he's really struggling. Hamlet would call these depths the the sea of troubles, right? The, The depths are this somewhat vague idea to us but we can imagine that, that he's overwhelmed or, or perhaps feeling forgotten or alone maybe he, he he's ashamed or despairing angry or afraid but overall it's this this unnerving place it's a, it's a thick fog of darkness that he can't really see what lies in the future and i know that the term the depth seems somewhat vague but but the psalms are often vague on purpose Because they're inviting us to relate and go on this journey toward hope with them. See, the Psalms are not meant to be just someone else's story. They're inviting us to an interactive experience. Because it is a guide throughout all types of seasons. And so when we come to Psalm 130, we don't come to it with a fake smile. But we come to it in our own depths. In our own time, no matter how confusing, daunting, heavy it might be. And what I've realized is while we don't wish this whole COVID season upon anybody, we can gain a perspective in the depths that we could not gain otherwise. And I know it may be difficult for us to see hope. Or to see clearly what's coming forward or what the future holds for us. But we do see something in the depths that we may not see normally when life feels like an Instagram perfect picture. Or when life feels like a Beaver Cleaver 1950s movie. right? Like When life is all good we see some things. But in the depths we tend to notice something else. So when we're in the depths for ourselves... That's where we start to become aware of just how frail and mortal we are. You know, it wasn't a matter of just a few weeks ago that in the West, you know, we were the titans of industry and development. And now, a few weeks later, we're doing all we can just to save as many lives as possible. Now, here's something we can't even see that that seems to not discriminate For anyone, even the healthiest of basketball players are affected by this thing. And so it doesn't matter what level of self-confidence or feelings of control we might have had a few weeks ago. All of a sudden, now we're entering a period where we're like, I'm starting to question all of that. Reminded of just how mortal, how frail our lives are. And when we're reminded of just how needy we really are. The depths then cause us to question the sufficiency of our lowercase s, saviors. When we get into the depths, we see just how much we've trusted in certain people or things to keep us secure. But we've also realized just how incapable they are of doing so. We've placed so much hope in in. Our jobs, our income, our government leaders, market forces, healthcare systems, and then we get into this season of realizing that they aren't fully in control either. And that often ends us feeling confused and, and bringing us to this feelings of depths, but in the depths, we feel as if our, all our sense of security is starting to be stripped away. And I've grieved for myself how much time, energy, money, resources, worry I've spilt on people and things that can't ultimately promise to save me in this life, much less the life to come. But with that realization, the depths lead us to search for the one sufficient Savior. He says, I cry out to you, O Lord, hear my voice, the voice of my pleas for mercy. See, to cry out to the Lord means that that he realizes he has one true hope. He's reached this point in his life where all the the self help advice of, of, of fix yourself have all proven hollow. He's gotten to the end of his own power and now he is looking to the Lord. See, it is in seasons like this that purify our focus and our faith if we allow them. It is the deep places that produce deep prayer. Last Sunday afternoon, I was watching another church's service online and all of a sudden, just the weight of everything that's going on in our society, the burdens that I know many of you feel as a part of this uh, whole epidemic, all of that just, just hit me right at once, unannounced. And all I know to say is, I, I, I didn't know what else, I just started crying. I hadn't cried like that in years and years, but, but it was something that came from a deep place within me. I don't know what words I prayed. It doesn't really matter. But in that moment, I just felt like, I was like, God, we need your mercy. We need you to come and intervene. But as I got up from that moment, all of a sudden I realized what came out of me, that God began to fill that with deeper trust and faith I think this is why the famous British preacher Charles Spurgeon said pearls lie deep because it's in the depths we discover a deeper richer faith but but when we're in these seasons when we're in the depths and that overwhelmed angry anxious all of these things what are we supposed to do? All right, God, like how am I supposed to, to spend this time? And, and so what does the psalmist do next? Because I, we don't want to stay here in the depths. We, 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 want, to, we want to ascend exactly as the psalm talks about. But, but what do we do next? And the psalmist describes, he says, as we stand before our God in need, that's where we learn to wait well. <laughs> wait Well, and I know sometimes I I even asked as I was reading the psalm, wait? That's all we're doing is waiting. What do you mean wait? See, there's a big difference between waiting well and not waiting well. You know, we we could spend this time and say, you know what, I'm just going to binge Netflix and and just ride this thing out as long as I possibly can. I'm just going to do nothing. But what does it look like to really wait Well, And if we're going to wait well, what do we need to first of all acknowledge? See, to wait well, we first realize, number one, that we cannot control God. We cannot control God. Do you ever notice that whenever we really need something or want something, that our first impulsive thought is to think, Okay, why do I deserve this? Right, so if I'm going to ask someone to help me move, I'm going to first think about who owes me one, and then I'm going to ask that person first, right? Or if I go to Wendy's asking for a Frosty, I'm going to come up to the window and assume, okay, do I have the money to actually pay for this? Do I deserve this? And sometimes we treat God in the same way. We come to God and we cry out to God, but we want to say, All right, all right God, God, have, I, have I prayed enough? Have I read enough scripture? Have I, have I been kind enough to, to people in order to deserve his rescue? Sometimes we go to God treating him somewhat like Santa, right? You know, God, have I done enough good things so now you'll give me something in my proverbial stocking? But let's be real here. While that is our first impulse to think, why do I deserve it? Like, does God really owe us anything?
1: Nope. Not at all.
5: In fact, we failed to give God what he deserves from us, not vice versa. And the psalm is clear it says, How can I stand? At all before God. I haven't lived up to my own conscience, much less the standard of a holy God. Do I really think that that, that a few prayers and helping a few people means that the holy, eternal God now owes me something? He says in verse 3, he acknowledges his own, what he calls, iniquity. Now, iniquity is, it sounds like a very archaic word. But that word literally means unfair or unworthy. Because from the very beginning, our holy creator fashioned the world in perfect harmony, righteousness, justice. But it was us who came and said, ah, we got this on our own, and we brought disharmony into the world. We failed to give God what he rightfully deserves, which is our worship. And if God today were to decide to execute judgment upon all of us, giving us exactly what we deserve, none of us could stand. But we would all deserve the depths of his judgment. We all deserve the depths. We certainly don't deserve the right to control or manipulate God. But to wait well realizes that as we wait, it's not about trying to control or get God to do what we want him to do. But waiting well is learning to trust in his character instead. The psalm says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits in his word, I hope. The psalmist realizes that he can't do anything to ultimately make God do what he wants him to do. But one thing that he can be sure of is that God has revealed himself to us and he's going to trust God's word. I can imagine the psalmist is thinking back to the very beginning when God revealed himself to Moses on the mountain. And he told Moses, this is who I am. I am the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity. Will we take him at his word and believe that? Because in the depths we realize that all of our false securities were challenged and proven insufficient. And when we turn to the Lord, we realize, oh man, I can't control him either. And we're left at that point with one question. Will I trust that he is who he says he is? Will I continue to pretend like my false securities are good enough? Will I continue to play religious games to think that maybe I'm winning God over? Or will I wholeheartedly and completely trust that he's a God of forgiveness, steadfast love, and grace? And when we admit that God is our only hope for this life and the next, and then we can't control him, waiting well is actively fixing our eyes on him. How do we wait well? Well, the psalmist describes as he's waiting, he describes himself as a watchman or a night guard on the walls of the top of the walls of the city, squinting through the darkness for the first sign of light. The watchman is not passively kicking back. He's actively leaning in, looking for a coming king to deliver him. The depths sharpened his focus on his savior. The depths taught him to to, to forget the distractions that don't really matter. And as he studied and meditated on God's word, on scripture, he stopped spilling all of his energy around, trying to be good enough in his own strength. Instead, the scripture started shaping his view of reality and where a place where he could go, God's word a place where he could go, where his anxious soul could find rest. And the more that he began to take in, the hungrier he became for it until worship became his lifestyle. You know that throughout the whole Lent season we've been going through this series called Rooted and Built Up Everyday Habits for Growth. That is what it looks like that he has now as someone who with undivided attention has become grounded toward the one hope that truly matters. And he is waiting for one thing above everything else, God's complete Redemption. While he started in verse 1 in despair, over time, as he learned who he could really trust, he climbed out of the depths, stood upon the walls, and is now looking for the only hope, the coming king who would make it all right again. And of course, we, looking back, we see something that the psalmist could not yet see. Is that the morning light did dawn. He did come. But it was not as, ever, as many expected. Centuries after the psalm was written. We know the day did come. When the king riding on a donkey. A symbol of peace. Crested the hill of the Mount of Olives made his descent down into the Kidron Valley, and then began the ascent up into Jerusalem. Perhaps the path he traveled might have even been the same path that the the psalmist himself traveled. But this king, he was coming to free or redeem his people, but not in the way that anyone expected. He was not coming in military might and strength, just to try to make life comfortable for Israel again. He was not coming solely looking for a political or earthly kingdom. For those who were expecting him to just make life comfortable for them again, they were sorely disappointed. But this humble king of peace and steadfast, unwavering love came not to ultimately ascend, or not to first ascend, but he came first to descend into the depths of death for us. Did he have the power to liberate them from the Romans and create a constant vacation for everybody? Yeah. But that would have been just partial freedom. That would have freed them from an earthly power. That would have made their life easier while they're alive. But he would never have freed them from the power of sin and death over all people. But as the psalmist says, he says, our God came with plentiful or full redemption. That no more sacrifice is needed because our Lord came to give his very life for us. And he says that he invites us to believe and place our ultimate hope in him. he who knew no sin took our sin upon himself that he might pay the debt that we owed and then give us his life in exchange on our behalf he went to the depths of the grave to remove the barrier of sin between us and God and this is the good news the gospel This is our ultimate hope and joy that our God came. He submitted his life to death, rose again on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he promises to one day come again. And now we look back seeing that the morning star, the sun has risen, but yet we are waiting for that day when his light will cover the entire earth. There will come a day this COVID-19 outbreak is officially over. And we'll be thrilled about that. But is that where our ultimate hope lies? I believe there will be a day when the economy is strong again. But is that our highest prize? Although we're going to have difficulties right now, our joy is as followers of Jesus, as grounded in the assurance that our debt has been paid to God by the blood of his very son, that we have an inheritance reserved for us in heaven, and that he will and is coming back to redeem and to restore this broken world. So I've had to ask myself this week, what am I really waiting for Am I just waiting for this whole thing, the season to be over so I can get back to life as normal? Or is my ultimate hope, are my eyes really trained and fixed for the return of my King? Because the morning light has dawned and we watch it rise under the cross of our redemption. So what does joy look like this season? I've been asking myself that question all week. And then uh, this week I got to experience my first ever drive-by birthday party where a ton of people came in their cars. I got my two girls in my car with me, and we got in this long line of cars. Some cars had balloons sticking out the window or streamers. Some heads were poking out of the sunroof as the cars were going very slowly, of course. But then we all drove down and passed uh, the birthday girl. Who was standing out on the lawn so we could maintain our six feet of distance, of course. But we all just yelling, honking, singing happy birthday, blaring music. And we took one pass around and then we came around and we took a second lap. And as we took that second lap, like I had my sunglasses on, we were laughing, we were singing. But all of a sudden, like, I just, I felt these tears coming down behind my sunglasses. Because I thought to myself, this is what joy looks like in Sorrow. This is what it looks like. Everybody was bummed that we couldn't be with her on her birthday, but they decided instead we are going to go and make the biggest deal we possibly can. And in that moment, I'm never going to forget that party for the rest of my life. And as we are approaching Easter, this is going to be an Easter unlike we ever forget. I believe we're going to make some memories this Easter too. Paul said that as followers of Jesus, we may be sorrowful, yet we're always rejoicing. And we're going to rejoice our way through this. Is this the way we want Easter to be? No. Will we have to get creative? Yes. Will we create memories that we'll never forget? You better believe it. because The morning light has dawned and we watch it under the cross of our redemption. Now I want to take a moment together for us to remember that sacrifice given to us. As we anticipate uh, the Last Supper coming up this week, I want to take this moment just to celebrate that meal given for us, the body, the blood, the blood poured out, the body that was broken to set us free. Let's pray, and I'll give you a moment to go grab that. Father, thank you that you did not leave us alone. That while we deserve the depths, that you meet us right in the midst of it. That you enter the depths on our behalf in order to lead us toward you. And that as we see you, God, I pray that our hope and our faith will be so deeply enriched and grounded in you. That we will not be distracted by anything else. You are our one true hope. Show us how to actively wait well. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to give you a chance to go grab the bread, crackers, or the juice that you've set aside as we prepare to take communion together. So now with the juice and the crackers and the bread that you have set aside, I want us to remember that, that this meal, anyone who has confessed Jesus as Lord of your life, like we can take this together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so wherever you are, when we take this together, it is an act of unity. And I want to remind everybody that this for us is a symbol of, It's a way that we remember what Jesus did for us. Because on that last night, before he was arrested and taken to the cross, he gathered his disciples around for that Passover feast. But he took the bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup. And he says, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sin. And so we're going to take this all together at one time. Because when we take it at one time, it's a sign of unity. And if you want, if you're in a family and you want, maybe the parents want to serve the kids. Uh, If you know your kids have received Jesus and you want to serve them, you're more than welcome to do that. But if you're sitting by yourself, you're more than welcome to serve yourself um, with that. Because uh, this is all part, we are all saved and redeemed. And you do not need a a special pastor or priest in order to be able to serve that to you. We all have the Holy Spirit within us. So, as one body, together, I want to invite you to take the bread. Break it. then together remembering his sacrifice for us let's take and eat and now as those who have been washed clean by his blood let to take the juice if you need to share it with somebody do it together as your family but let's take and drink now will you pray with me Jesus we recognize that there's nothing that we've done to deserve this gift of eternal life this life that isn't just waiting for us one day, but this life that begins now. But even though we do not deserve it, we come to you just deeply grateful for the gift that you've given us, for this journey that we're beginning this week to the cross and to the resurrection, that this is the greatest gift that you've that's ever been given to humanity. And so God, I pray that in this moment, that it would just become even more real to everybody who's participating in it. That we will feel a bond of your spirit, that even though we are physically far apart, uh, that we would feel as if we are unified closer than ever because it is you who unites us most of all. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.